Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Today's scripture reading is from Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Here ends the reading. For the last week, I have been in Lincoln, Nebraska and spending time with my daughter and her husband and their three sons. And it has been an amazing experience. But at the same time, in the back of my mind, there's been this awareness of what is happening in our nation, but also awareness and thinking about you as a church and those who are listening in um, who perhaps aren't members of our church because of the conditions that are currently in, in our world. As I thought about not only COVID-19, but also thinking about what's taking place with the protests that are occurring throughout our nation, it made me stop and think about a story, a story that we find in the Gospel of Luke. It's a story about one, two characters. The first character is uh, a man with a great deal of power. What's a little concerning about this man is that there seems to be no checks or controls or a system of accountability in place so that this man has basically the freedom to yield justice in the way that he sees fit. The other character, the protagonist, is a single woman. And I think the reason why the story depicts a single woman is because of what she stood for in the society at that time. This is a woman who was being treated unfairly, a woman whose rights were being violated. And because of that, this woman turned to this judge for help. But again, 
because of who she was, her being a person who had no voice and no one who would be willing to speak for her or on behalf of her, she took matters into her own hands. And she was rebuffed by this judge, but she's persistent. She's a nag. She will continue to pursue him. And the story tells us that eventually the judge relents and gives in to her for one simple reason, her persistence. He's tired of being infringed upon. He's tired of being, of being annoyed by this woman. So he finally gives in to her and says, okay, I'll make things right. So what does that story have to do with us today? We'll take that woman and multiply it and then keep multiplying it. And we are looking at a group of people who, since the founding of our nation have been treated poorly, who have been treated as less than citizens, who have inequality. And over, those, over the years, these millions of people have endured hardships. Over all these years, there are African Americans, millions of them, who continued to be treated unjustly. And they turned to a system for help. They turned to a system to talk about the inequality they see around their housing, about education, about opportunities for employment. And when they are employed, they are treated as less than and make less than their counterparts who are doing the same job these are individuals who continue to be treated poorly by bad policing and a flawed justice system. These are individuals whose voter rights have been suppressed. These are individuals who continually to find the culturally embedded forms of racial discrimination that enter into their lives. They are a lot like that woman. And over time, they have turned to a system to try to make that right, to correct it, but to no avail. And that tension continues to build within. Think about taking a pan of water and putting it on an oven, on a stove, I'm sorry, a stove, and you turn up the heat and it begins to bubble, it begins to simmer, but then eventually it begins to boil over. So imagine living with that kind of tension in your life. Imagine dealing with inequalities and imagine having every day to face the possibilities of, that, of how you will be treated simply because of the color of your skin. Imagine that tension that rises within, not knowing that when you go out if you'll ever return, knowing that opportunities will not be there for you just because of the color of your skin and not because of any other reason. That continues to build. One of the things that really hit home to me is I got on Wikipedia and I, go and I searched on Wikipedia, I searched um, racial or civil protest. And since my birth in 1964, 
there has been very few years that there have not been civil protest. Why? Because the situation continues over and over. Just like that woman who fought and persisted to get help, African-Americans continue to persist to find a remedy, a sense of evening the playing field, but it's to no avail. The story in the Gospel of Luke tells us that this just, this just, uh, this judge was not just in the sense that he didn't believe in God. He basically did things because of what he wanted rather than because of doing what is right. But it was her persistence that enabled the change to occur. And that's why we are seeing in the situation that we're in right now that the boiling point has come again. The challenge, however, is that the boiling point doesn't go away. It just minimizes for a period of time. And then all of a sudden something else will happen again and it boils up again. One author said the following, our nation's short attention span does not bode well for the emergence of future riotous protest. These events are the result of the built up tensions and unmet needs of disenfranchised people. The longer we wait to address their underlying causes, the more desperate and passionate the next response may be. I think about Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King led many protests. Martin Luther King spoke out against riots and the use of violence. However, it was also Martin Luther King who came to the point and realized that this continual pushing down and never making things right had to find a release. Listen to the words of Martin Luther King Jr. in a presentation, a speech that he gave called The Other America. He says the following, let me say, as I've always said, and I will continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society, this one is hard to hear as a white person, the large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality, and humanity. So in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long, as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these reoccurrences of violence and riots over and over again. Now, does that make the violence that we see occurring in some of these protests, does that make it right? No, but at least we can understand what is behind that. 
what is bringing in the cause of it, the injustice that is truly lying there, that is the greater challenge that we need to address. So what do we do? What can we do right now to help with this situation? Number one, we need to be aware. First and foremost, we have to be aware of what is within us. I was listening to a podcast recently and the podcast stated, I'm going to change, I'm not going to stop recording, but I'm going to change that angle just a little bit. Sorry about that. Um, I was listening to a podcast and it was by an African-American man, a professor at a university. And he said that he becomes frustrated when he hears white people say that they're not racist. He said, we all have to be able to take a look inside ourselves to be able to stop and realize that there are those elements of racism within all of us. And they find different expressions in our lives. And so that's the first thing we have to do is this introspection, looking inside of ourselves and being aware of the racism that resides within, even if it never comes out into a public manifestation. So it's being first aware of what's going on in your own life. But beyond that, it's being aware of the racism, the systemic racism that continues around us within our society. That has to change. But if you can't change something that you're not aware of. And so to take the time to read and to listen to other individuals, and in particular, African-Americans, to hear their plight, to hear their concerns, to hear their frustrations. That is a first step in dealing with the situation that we have found ourselves in, and more than likely, if we don't change anything, we'll find ourselves in again. We have got to take the time to listen. We've got to take the time to become informed so that we will be aware of the systemic racism that continues in our nation. The next thing after that, once we have that form of awareness, is we need to look at our elected officials. And that's from the state level, to the city level, to the state, to the federal level. Every two years, every four years, we have opportunities to elect individuals to represent us. But are we aware of their voting records? Do we take the time to say these minimal Christian values that we have, that we find in the Bible, the sense of loving justice, the sense of doing mercy, the sense of being humble and practicing and walking our lives in humility toward other people. Have we taken the time to see if those that we have elected, if their voting record is aligned with our values as Christians? Now, I, don't, I can't tell you that. You have to discover that for yourself. You have to become aware of how those that you have voted for, if they are aligning with the values that you hold in your life. And then once you look at your elected officials, become aware of the policies that are continuing to be passed. Are those lives creating an equal playing field? Are they bringing about equality for all people equally 
But beyond that, are the policies that are being passed, are they taking steps to bring about a greater sense of possibilities, a greater sense of justice for those who have continued to be oppressed by a system that is against them? You have to look at those policies. You have to stay informed. Because if you don't, as Martin Luther King said, it will happen again. And just like that woman in that story, she was persistent in talking to the judge. Those that are treated as less than in our society, they have no choice. They have to be persistent. Otherwise, it won't change. And we will continue to have riots. We will continue to have marches. We will continue to have protests until we become aware of the true problem. So that's the first thing we can do. We can be aware. Number two, we can look for opportunities to get involved. In the Phoenix area, there are groups of individuals who are attuned and are listening, have their ear to the ground, and are sensitive to the inequalities that are existing in our world, and in particular within Phoenix. Look for opportunities to get involved in them. Go to a seminar, take classes, volunteer your time. Become aware and look for those opportunities to get involved, to make a difference. Number three, don't get distracted. This really hit me yesterday. It is so easy to get distracted by things that are happening around us, to get distracted by the negativity that we see around us, that we forget what our cause is truly about. As Christians, our cause is to pursue justice, is to practice mercy, it is to love ourselves and to love our neighbors. Those are the core minimal values of Christianity. And we need to not allow ourselves to be distracted and moved away from them and enter into arguments. Rather, we need to focus upon what it is that is truly important as expressed in the life of Jesus. And so talking about Jesus, number four, the fourth thing that we can do is to develop the sensitivity and the empathy that Jesus had toward the oppressed. It doesn't happen overnight. You can't flip a switch and make it happen. It's a way of life. It's how you expose yourself to the different values that are out there and, and making those important to yourself. In Luke chapter 18, where we find this story of the woman and this judge, Jesus makes the comment and he says, will not God bring about justice? Well, if Jesus believed that God was about justice, I also believe that Jesus realized that the only way that God would bring about justice was through our actions, through our words, through our experiences. And when we become sensitive and empathetic to those who are enduring a plight in life that we do not have to endure simply because of the color of one's skin,
that is where we begin to find a sense of connection. When we truly feel a sense of hurt because of what we see around us, and we're no longer willing to ignore it. We're willing to see it. That's called persistence. And it doesn't matter if that persistence for us that are older, if it lasts 10 years, 20 years or 30 years, we can make a difference right now. Some people will argue, well, look at all the injustices that are around us. And that's true. However, we have the opportunity to make inroads in this injustice of the inequality and the oppression of African Americans. We have that opportunity. And imagine if we can continue to make inroads in this, di in this direction. The next generation, the next generation will take and see what we've done and they will be confident that they can make a difference. We can set a standard, we can set a bar so that the next generation will go, ah, look what they did. If they did it, we can do it. And they can take us to the next step so that our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren will be able to live in a world where there is true equality, where people are treated with dignity. Let's not give up hope. Let us, like that woman, be persistent because that will make the difference. When you think about the power of water, the power of water to erode the boundaries that confine it, you can't see it at first, but over time, it begins to erode away those boundaries. And as it erodes those boundaries, it begins to flow that much freer. You have power. Now, it may not be the, as great a power as you wish you had, but you have power. And you have choices on how you will use that power to make the world a better place, a place where everyone can feel safe, a place where everyone has opportunities to better their life for themselves and for their families. We have that power. But let us not get discouraged. Please don't get discouraged. Persist. Be like that woman. Do not stop until things begin to change. We can do this. You know, last Sunday, I ended the sermon by saying that we have an opportunity to make love real. Well, I'm going to say it again. We individually and as a church of Beatitudes, we have the opportunity and the privilege to make love real in a very, very tangible way. Will you do it? Will you join me in doing it? Will you join me in taking these steps of becoming aware, of looking for opportunities to get involved? Will you be able to not shy away and get distracted anymore, but to keep your eye on the prize? 
And will you develop the sensitivity and the empathy that Jesus had in his life? I hope you will. I hope you will commit yourselves to this cause. Because if we don't, it will come back. And we will be where we are right now. And I pray that we, you won't have to hear sermons like this anymore. I care about you. I miss you. And I look for the opportunity for us to once again worship in, presence, in the presence of each other. But until then, seize the power that you have and make a difference and make God's love real. for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at beatitudeschurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.